All right. Guys, awesome job. Look at all those shoeboxes. That's amazing. We're, there are kids around this world that are going to be absolutely blessed. And I love that these boxes go out with the gospel. And we know this for sure, that when the word of God goes out, it doesn't come back empty-handed. Amen? You guys are building the kingdom one shoebox at a time. That's a, what a beautiful concept. Hey, we're, we're going through this Thanksgiving week. How many of you guys are ready to be thankful this week? Grind some turkey, some stuffing. Amen. I am ready. I've been fasting for two days so that I can unfast on Thursday. Reverse that fast real quick. Um, but hey, it's not what the, we don't get defiled by what goes in our mouth. It's what comes out. Amen? So the Bible says. So put all kinds of stuff in your mouth on Thursday. Hope you guys have beautiful weeks together with your families. But hey, we want to talk about this idea of recapturing gratitude. Because I don't know about you, but the world right now is kind of in shambles. There's so much going on. And what happens is there's things that are happening that are stealing our gratitude. I don't know if you noticed this. I don't know if you've seen things try to rip your gratitude away from you. I feel like I have. And I'm like, hey, give that back. <laughs> That's mine. Don't take that from me. And so we need to kind of like really kind of fight for how do we hold on to gratitude, real kind of Jesus gratitude, the kind that shapes your life and changes your heart. This is the kind of gratitude we need. Um, so this week, you know, last week we talked about the idea of not living out of lack and scarcity, but actually living out of abundance as Christ called us to and how that changes our mind. And today I want to just talk about another thing that plagues us. It gets in the way of true gratitude. And that's the idea of anxiety. Anxiety is tough. And uh, I don't know if you have anxiety. I don't know if you felt anxious in this season, but I have. <laughs> I give you, I, can I tell you one of my greatest gifts? One of my greatest gifts from God, it sounds weird, is the gift of eczema. Because my eczema only comes out of my hand and it only happens when I'm extremely anxious or stressed about something. And so for real, for most of us, anxiety is something that slips in unnoticed, that we don't see it happening in our life. It's something that takes our spirit, our heart, our motivation. It robs us of the things that God has put in our lives, and it puts us into a place of darkness. And for me, I love, I call it my greatest gift, because when I see my hand is changing and stuff is popping out of my hand, I'm like, I need to reconcile, like, I, there's something, I got to pray. <laughs> I got to get down, because there's something in my life that's happening that's causing my hand to do this. I know that for a fact. It's like my little alert system, my little alarm. It's like, hey, you stressed. Don't do that. <laughs> so, I had a friend ask me, I don't know if, if you can resonate, I had a friend ask me this week a simple question, how are you? And my answer was this, my answer shocked myself when I answered it. I thought about it, and I said, how am I? I said, I feel like... I'm the busiest I've ever been, but the most unproductive I've ever been at the same time. Anybody resonate with that at all? That I have been busy and stressed, and I feel like I'm running in circles a lot of times, and I feel like I'm not actually walking out what God has called me to walk out all the time. I feel unproductive. I feel like not much is being accomplished. And this thing of anxiety has this, man, there's a myth uh, that the world is getting better, that the world is getting more advanced. And I want to just bring up something that's really important. There's a guy named uh, Edwin Friedman. You might have heard his name. He's an author. Edwin Friedman was, uh, he's a Jewish rabbi who turned into a therapist, who turned into a, a consultant. And he created this amazing thing. In 1997, he wrote this. And, and hear me out, because this is like so true to what's going on today. And he talks about anxiety as this vicious cycle something that repeats itself and something we get caught up in. 
And so it starts with number one is reactivity. When you feel overwhelmed in life, when you feel anxious by the world around you, when you feel caught off guard, when you feel like you don't know what's coming next, and it leaves you in this perpetual state of suspense in the bad way, not a good kind of suspense, it makes us react, okay? So reactivity is the first stage. When we react out of our anxiety, it leads to this hurting instinct. So he's, he's, and he's done research, sociological research. He's found that when people make these really quick reactions to things, they get together with people who are also reacting like them and saying, oh good, I'm not the only one reacting like this. Let's react like this together. And then what happens is when we're together reacting to stuff, we start blaming. Number three is blame displacement. We start blaming other people and we're trying to find a root cause of why we're feeling the way we're feeling. It must be their fault. It must be that fault. Is this sounding true to what's going on in life? Okay, just make sure because this, when I was reading this, I was like, holy smokes, this is life right now. And then after that, all this blaming says we need to fix something. We need to fix something quickly. We need to change this because we don't like this feeling. And so this quick fix mentality comes up, and what that produces is this lack of well-differentiated leadership. That's another way of saying this. Leadership, that instead of saying, hey, we don't want to enable this anxiety, it's saying, oh my gosh, everyone's anxious. Let me jump into this echo chamber and make decisions based on everybody else's anxiety. And so what does that perpetuate? More reactions. Isn't this crazy? This is a crazy cycle, and this is the system's that Friedman is pointing out, this happens in churches, this happens in our government, this happens in our families. This is a systematic problem of anxiety, of how, of how humans interact when things are stressful around us. So what we want to do is, hey, this is Thanksgiving week. I want to fight for my gratitude. I want to make sure I can sit at the dinner table on Thursday and not be anxious. And if you ever tried to do both of those things at the same time, be really anxious about something, you have something burning in your back burner all the time, it's always on your mind, and it's like making you pace around. It keeps your heart beat up. And you're sitting there like, yes, God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. But that whole thing is beating too. It's hard to do both at the same time. You're not supposed to. True gratitude sits and rests in God. And that's the gratitude we need. Is a gratitude that's being able to like whew, breathe, put this down. And so what he actually, what Friedman says is we need to become non-anxious presence in our systems, in your family, in our church, we need to be non-anxious people that impact the anxiety that's plaguing the people around us. And so I want to sit today in Philippians 4, because it's such a beautiful passage. You guys all know this passage, but so many things Holy Spirit was bringing up in this passage to me this week, and I just want to kind of share some of those as we talk about anxiety. So number, uh, if you open up to Philippians 4, it's on the screen. Verse 4 says this, Always... Be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And this is one of those funny things when people say, read scripture and they say rejoice or hallelujah, we always kind of like say rejoice, right? Rejoice means like, ah, like rejoice. This is amazing. Like this is a, this is a declarative word. God is good. Say it out loud. Scream it from the rooftops. God is good. He's worth praising. Amen. So rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate, or in other translations say gentle in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Number six, do not be anxious about anything, but what? In every situation, through prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So what is being contrasted here in the scripture? Being anxious and being 
prayerful with thanksgiving, having a spirit of thanksgiving. When you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, His peace will guard your heart and mind and, and as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So the first thing, I really want to kind of clear this up before we start talking about anxiety, because we don't talk about mental health a lot in church, and it's so important, especially right now. I feel like we're not going to see the effects, the long-term effects of what COVID and this political season is doing to people in our country for years to come, after we have time to survey and study people. But we can see it right now. Depression is at an all-time high. My wife is a therapist. Her therapy firm is so overwhelmed, they turn people down by the dozens right now. It's a problem. It's not, not, people aren't the problem. The problem is there's not enough help for what people are experiencing in life right now. So you are not alone. If you are feeling anxious, if you are feeling depressed, if you have feeling, been, the isolation has caused you into deep, dark places in this season, let me remind you there is help, that God is good. And what I want to do is make sure we differentiate sort of a clinical psychological anxiety from what the Bible is talking about because they're not always the same. There's overlap. But what I don't want to do is we hear this a lot is we, we read this verse, don't be anxious, be grateful. But if you have a true diagnosis of anxiety and there's some really deep psychological things going on in your heart and in your mind, you need professional help. Prayer isn't always going to be the answer. Amen? And so we want to encourage you that if this is, there's a differentiation here we want to make that there is professional help for those who need. And let me just say, if that's you, you've never sought professional help and you never knew, but you feel like you might need it, please come talk to me after service. <laughs> and again, I'm not the help, but I can help get you connected because it is so important right now that we all find help and we all find people to listen and to help us process what we're going through. Amen? So here's a biblical definition of anxiety. This, this verse in Philippians, is funny. It's mentioned 12 times in the Bible, but only this time, that word don't be anxious, it's the only time it's translated to anxious. Most of the time, that verse is translated to take care of. It's a good thing. So this is interesting. So another way to say, read that passage, if you go back to Philippians 4, should be like this. Do not take care of anything, but in prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Wait, we're not supposed to take care of anything? No, that's why anxious was a good translation. Here's what it means. Possessing a fear of man or a fear of this world that leads us to carry a weight that we're not supposed to carry. What this verse in Philippians is saying is do not care for the things that only God is supposed to be caring for. Amen? This is the root of so much anxiety is because we have too much care and we see it as a good thing and God is saying give it to me. Through your prayers and your petitions, give it back to me. That is my weight to carry, right? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Give it to God. This is like number one step. If we're going to walk into gratitude, we got to be able to sh make sure we're not carrying things that aren't ours to carry. Amen? Because you're going to fall. God, your knee's going to give out beneath you eventually if you're carrying something you're not supposed to carry. So, Possessing a fear of man or a fear of this world that leads us to carry a weight that we're not supposed to carry. This is what biblical anxiety is talking about. So it's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue that I don't know how to handle what's going on in life. And so I'm going to take charge and carry what I want to carry and handle this how I want to handle this rather than through prayer and petition giving it back to God. So the truth is this. Can we live without fear in this lifetime? Probably not. But we can put it in its place. We can overcome it. 
and we can get to a place where fear and anxiety is no longer a tyrant in our life, but it's something we can look at to an equals and negotiate with and squish and have God push it out of our lives. And I believe that's true. So this is what gratitude is going to need out of us, is how willing are you to fight back against your anxiety? <laughs> Amen? I need that all the time. I want to just, anxiety just shuts me down, you guys. I like just, I just charge them already. I scrap my anxiety. So number one, if you're taking notes, this is number one. This is so foundational that anxiety is the enemy of gratitude. You cannot be a grateful person if you have anxiety ticking away in the back of your mind. If the beating of your heart is for your own will to be done or for your own taking control of a situation in your life, you can't sit and rest in God. I believe that firmly. And so we got to make sure that we don't let these two enemies try to wrestle for our soul or in that wrestling that we give gratitude the leverage it needs to win that fight. We got to. So here's a quick list. That I made, and this list could be extensive if we really wanted to. Anxiety versus gratitude, like boom, showdown. Who's going to win the fight? Anxiety, worries for tomorrow. This is what anxiety does. Anxiety constantly asks, what's going to happen tomorrow? What can we do? How, is this, how are we going to put food on the table? What's going to happen in our government? Ah, is Jesus coming back soon? Even the end of the world gives us anxiety as Christians. How, ah, <laughs> what do I do? Um, but it worries for tomorrow. What does gratitude do? Gratitude is satisfied in the present. What does David say? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and my cup overflows. I can sit when people are throwing arrows and darts at me. I can sit and have a meal. I'm satisfied in the present, no matter what's going on around me, because I have him. He's my shepherd. Number two, anxiety deteriorates your being. There's too many studies that will tell you anxiety will rip away your identity. Anxiety will take your spirit. Anxiety will actually de deteriorate your physical health. There's stress, the way that stress wears on us. So it's so common. We've seen it. So it deteriorates your being. What does gratitude do? Gratitude shapes your being. It reactivates you. It resharpens you to look more like Christ because he carries that gra gracious gratitude in his heart. Anxiety is driven by insecurity. I don't know what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to eat. And Jesus is like, don't you get it? I'm with you. <laughs> so it's driven by contentment. I am content with my shepherd. I lack nothing. Anxiety is ruled by urgency. I need something now. I must have it now or else I'm not going to be satisfied. What does gratitude say? It's ruled by a deep trust. Nah, he got him. It's Okay. God, get him. He's going to drop me bread out of heaven, whatever. He's going to take care of my need when, when I need it. God's timing always wins. God's character always wins. This is why we declare this week after week, because we have to be reminded in our hearts that this is true. We have to have a deep trust for God. And may I say this, and not in a mean way, so many of us have a faith in God. We believe in Christ, but we're still working on our trust. That when it comes to, do I actually trust that he's going to do what he said he's going to do in my life? It's hard. There's been times in my life where I'm like, eh, I believe this. I'm reading it in Scripture, but I still in my heart, I don't know. I'm not sure. I still get trust issues. So we got to believe. We got to trust that God is who he is and what he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? Number th the next one is this. Anxiety loves to hoard and hold power. Anxiety loves to say like, oh my gosh, a pandemic is coming. I need every single piece of toilet paper on this island, right? This is what anxiety tells you. 
you need to have all the toilet paper so you are prepared for the apocalypse. And then you hold power, right? Like, aha, I am the king of the toilet paper. I have 39 rolls, right? And so if you need something, you got to come to me now. I'm in charge, right? It's like, it's crazy. What does gratitude do? It gives and it yields power. It says, oh, you need that? Go, go for it. You got something to say? Go for it. I don't need power. I don't need control here. I can yield power to God. I can say, God, you take control. I don't need this. You got me. What is the last one? Operates from scarcity. Gratitude operates from abundance. This list list could go on, yeah? Anxiety is self-driven. Gratitude is selfless. All of these things. These two are mortal enemies. And so what happens is we we pretend we're living on that right column, and we're like, yes, I'm living grateful. Lord, thank you for all my gifts. But all of the things that are in that anxiety column are still true in my life. And I want to make sure that we weed those out so we can actually walk into true gratitude, like true thanksgiving. Because I, I can tell you this, I've been plenty of dinner tables at Thanksgiving where I've said something I am grateful for, but my heart wasn't grateful at all. And I'm tired of that. I'm tired of living a certain way, saying that I'm grateful because I'm supposed to as a Christian, but actually not having that reality in my heart. I don't want to. And I hope you guys don't too, because that's not what God has for us. He has so much more for us than that. Amen? So let's move. Next one is this. Let me ask you this question. Has anxiety stolen anything from you this season? That's my question for you. Has anxiety stolen anything from you this season? You can't address anxiety if you don't realize it's there. Has it stolen your time with God? Have you spent more time worrying about life than you have in prayer and petition before our God? Um, What about how intentional you are with your family? This is me. I, anxiety has crippled me to where every time I play with my kids or I sit and relax, I feel like I'm not doing something I'm supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Like I'm not being productive in some way. And so gratitude says, nah, you're good. <laughs> There's grace over this season. There's grace over this time of life right now. Just be present. Be present with the relationships you have. Slow down. Amen? The last one is, you know, another one is, what about your drive to do well and to be healthy? Has it taken that from you? For many of us, when we get anxious, when we have this sort of fear of the world and fear of man, and we carry this weight to perform, we feel, it cripples us, and we get crushed under that pressure. And God is saying, no, true grateful hearts are just going let it, to let it happen. You know, just be present with me. Don't worry about how you perform. Your wellness comes from God, not from your performance. Amen? And we have to remember this in our busy, busy lives. So, I have a Thanksgiving recipe, and I love Thanksgiving because we share recipes and we give recipes, and I have one for you. It's not pumpkin pie. It's a gratitude recipe. This is my own. I feel like the Lord gave it to me this week. So here's a recipe for Thanksgiving. Instead of getting caught in the anxiety cycle, I wanted to get caught in the gratitude cycle. Here's the gratitude cycle. Remember, rest, renew, repeat. Say it with me. Remember, rest, renew, repeat. This all came out of this passage of Philippians 4 for me, so praise God. So the first thing we got to recognize is if we can't remember the good things that God has done in our lives, we're already going to be anxious the rest of our lives. <laughs> this is foundation. If we can't remember God's goodness, we're in trouble. So take a look at this passage, Philippians 4 again. So Philippians 4 says this, remember the Lord is coming soon, right? So do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because you're remembering something. What are you remembering? That God has promised something. What was that promise? 
that he is coming again. The presence of God is the promise we live in. It's the promise we occupy in our hearts right now, and it's the promise for eternity, that God will be with us forever. He will be in us and within us till the day comes. And so why do we not be anxious? Because we remember. There's a thought, there's a remembrance that I'm reminded of the goodness of God and the truthfulness of his promise, and I can live and sit in that, and it causes anxiety to flee. Amen? This is where I want to be. (laughs) So number two in your notes is this. Gratitude remembers God, but anxiety forgets his goodness. What is your anxiety trying to remind you? That God isn't trustworthy. He's not faithful. That his promises aren't actually going to happen. He's going to break his promise. Yeah, something like that. A true grateful heart remembers God and his goodness. Do you remember when God pulled you out of the darkness and into the light? How did that feel? Do you remember when you were baptized and that Holy Spirit hit you in a powerful way that you will never forget? Do you still remember that and hold on to that memory? Gratitude is so deeply rooted with how we remember God, how we give Him memorial space in our hearts. What does anxiety want you to do? Forget His goodness. Anxiety is like, no, no, no. Maybe He did something good in the past, but I got to take control now. My life, I got I to figure this out. I got to get ahead, and I got to be productive, and I got to get my life back in order. And, and all this stuff that drives us, and gratitude says, hey, He showed up last time. He's coming again. Don't worry. Be still, right? Be still and know that I am God. So gratitude remembers the goodness of God. Open up to this passage in Isaiah. I love how God reminds us of himself (laughs) because we forget sometimes, yeah? Isaiah 51 says this, I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. Wait, I don't comfort myself? No, says God. (laughs) I comfort you, says God. He's the one who comforts us. So why are you afraid of mere humans? Why are you still walking in fear? who wither like grass and disappear. Yet you have forgotten the Lord, your creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy, laid the foundations of the earth. Will you remain in constant dread of human oppressors? Are you really giving that much power to people on this earth? Or will you continue, will you continue the fear and anger for your enemies? Where is their fury and anger now? It is gone. Why? Because God took care of it. (laughs) God's like, I'm the powerful one. I'm on your side. I comfort you. Guess who it is? It's me. So if we are trying to do, carry this burden of walking away from fear, of living boldly and confidently, and we're trying to do it without Christ, guess what? God's going to smack you upside the head and be like, guys, guess who's the one who brings you comfort? It's me. (laughs) Guess who's the one who frees you from stuff? It's me. This is the voice of the Lord. You have, you forgotten who I am. And so many of us need that reminder, yeah? Like, we need that reminder that this is God's job. This is who's kuleana in our life. And so I need that slap upside the head all the time where God's like, don't you remember? Have you, have you forgotten who I am and what I've done for you in the past? So if I cannot remember God's goodness, brah, there's no way I can walk into gratitude. There's no way. And check out this. This verse continues. I love this. I highlighted all the how, look how selfish God is in this verse. I love it. God's beautiful selfishness. Look at, soon all you captives will be released. He's like, I'm going to free you guys. Don't worry. Imprisonment, starvation, and death will not be your fate. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea, causing waves to roar. My name is the Lord of heaven's armies, and I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you safely in my hand. I stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. I am the one who says, Israel, you are my people. God is possessive. Holy smokes. And that's the best thing about him. 
that he's so possessive, that his comfort, everything that we need in life comes from a possessive God. He loves us and he holds us dearly and he holds us closely. Amen? God is powerful. God is amazing. So don't forget God and his goodness in your life. Amen? There's been so many times where some of the most powerful moments I have with God in my spiritual walk is when I remember things that happened when I was in high school. And when I get a revelation of things that were words that were spoken over me that I didn't get till years later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember that, Lord, and I remember it for a reason. I, I don't know about you guys, this is how I am. In my ripe old age of 33, <laughs> I'm already starting to forget so many years, but what happens in my life is the older I get, I notice a lot of my memories start fading, but the ones that remain are the ones that God was vastly present in. Do you recognize that? I would love to hear from our kupuna if, that was, if that's true, that the older you get, the more memories you hang on to are the memories where God is present and he speaks clearly. Because that's what I'm seeing. And I'm like, wow, I'm totally weeding out. Why do I even remember this? Because God was in it and his voice was there. And I felt something in my spirit when he said that. So don't forget all that God has done for you. And here's the best part, you guys. You cannot forget. This is what's awesome. I want you to do something with me real quick. Everyone take a deep breath. Inhale. Exhale. One more time. Inhale. Exhale. There's a, a theory. Let many people in, in Scripture try to figure out where the name Yahweh comes from. And we can look at it. Where does it first appear in the Old Testament? Where did it come from in culture? And we try to look at other books and, and see where did this name Yahweh come from? There are many people who believe and whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Hear me out. They believe that, that the word Yahweh is an onomatopoeia. You know what that is? An onomatopoeia is a word that sounds like, that's spelled like how it sounds. In other words, oink is an onomatopoeia. Because when a pig says oink, we spell out like oink. Does that make sense? So what is the sound? What is Yahweh? What does that actually sound like? It's this. So many people believe the name Yahweh comes from the sound our breathing makes. What does that imply? That implies, number one, you are sustained at a level you don't even comprehend. That every breath you take in your lungs is the provision of God in your life. Your breath, your very breath, exclaims the goodness of God. It declares it. Every time you breathe, you are saying the name of God. Isn't that wild? And number two is this, is that just like, you can't choose whether or not you breathe. You don't make that decision. God is having this breath in your lungs whether you know it or not. Isn't that amazing? God's sustainability over you, you don't even realize. So this is where it comes to how, why are we grateful? It's because I realize God isn't waiting for me, sitting waiting for me to come to him like in a stone, like when's Mark going to talk to me? He's actively moving in my very being. Paul says this, that it's in him I live and move and have my being. My breath cannot happen unless it's from God. That's crazy. So we're talking about a God who is so great and so vast, but who sustains every single breath at the same time. That's why I'm grateful. It's because I have somebody who's so big up there that's taking care of every single thing in my body at the same time. That every breath, every step I take, he is with me, he guides me, he's for me. This is a truth that we have to declare over our lives. God is here. He is real. He is present. And every time I breathe, I remember it's not my breath but his. Amen? This is where we need to sit. 
in, in a spirit of gratitude. Number three is this, and if you're like, I don't, if you're going to be one of those Bible guys and look that up, if that's true, I'm not sure if it's true, but I think the principles remains. It's amazing. So, remembering God is this. It's a deep recognition that only in Christ do we live and move and have our being. Remembering that God is the substance. He laid the foundation of this world and stretched the canopy of the sky over us. That there is no other being who takes care of us in a way that God does. That he is it. That's it. He is all we have and he is all we need. So remember him. Remember the good things in your life. And let me ask you this question. How good are you at remembering God moments? How good are you at remembering God moments? When you've had God moments in your life, are you quick to excuse them? Are you quick to justify them? Are you quick to be like, ah, maybe it wasn't as big a deal as I thought it was? For real, though. How good are you at remembering how good God is in your life? This is a big part of your gratitude. If you can remember God's goodness, you're going to be a grateful person. I believe that. So spend time this week remembering. God, I remember when you did this. I remember when this person spoke over me and I heard your voice. I remember when you gave me this job after I prayed. I'm like, oh my gosh, that could only be God. You know what I've learned also in my lifelong 33 years? The older I get, the less I believe in coincidences. I don't know if you're the same way. The less I believe that things just happen, the more I believe God is, God's provision is way more real than I've ever imagined it to be. And I see timings line up, and I've seen provisions in accordance, and I've seen prayers answered, and I've seen miracles happen. I'm like, God is amazing. These things don't just happen. So my gratitude comes from a place of like trusting that everything that ha- I see around me in life has its meaning, has its purpose, and God is still moving. So moving on. Number three. Number one, we remember. Number two is this. Rest. Rest births gratitude, and hurry births anxiety. Oh, I don't know whether this is true in your life, but if you are a hurried person, if you are a busied person, you are unconsciously breeding anxiety. <laughs> it's like the first time I went to the pet store, and I asked my mom, I was fourth grade, and I asked my mom and dad if I could get a mouse, and they said one. <laughs> and you know why, if you ever had mice, they're like, one, you don't get two. What I, they didn't know was my neighbors also bought a mouse. My, I had two f- boys next door who I, we played with. And so I went and we, make, we made them play together. You know, that's what boys do. Like, hey, I'll bring my mouse to your house. And next thing we knew, apparently we had the female mouse. And next thing we knew, one mouse turned into 35. 35 turned into like 70. I'm kidding you not. Like, it's so fast it happens with mice. And so all of a sudden we have rodents all out the door. I was too, like, tender-hearted to like, Mom, I can't let any of them go. I don't want to give them away. They're my family. And she's just like, we are like, she was like probably like killing them at night or something without me knowing. But here's the deal. Anxiety does the same, the hurry does the same thing with anxiety. Hurry, when you don't address the hurry and the busyness in your spirit, you don't realize that you're breeding these mice, <laughs> the mice of anxiety, faster than you probably anticipate. And we have to recognize something. Take a look at this quote. I love it. There's a, a theologian named Kazuki Koyama, Koyama sorry, from Japan. He says this, God walks slowly. Have you ever recognized the pace that Jesus moved in the Gospels? It's real slow. He walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would not, or sorry, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. You might have heard this, love is about three miles an hour, because that's about how fast a human walks. Love is three miles an hour. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. 
it is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet is the Lord over all, yet it is the Lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love. So he, what he's saying is this. I love it. It's a beautiful quote. He's saying this, as Jesus moved at a certain pace, Jesus' pace is the pace of all paces because Jesus is the King of all kings. So move like him. Did Jesus encounter in stressful situations? Yes. How did he handle them? He was present in the moment. He listened. He healed when he needed to heal. He did a miracle. He preached when he needed to preach. But he was always present. Jesus was never like, sorry guys, got stuff to do. I'm out of here. He didn't have this vast agenda. He was living every day at a time. That's powerful. And so this is the pace that we need to absorb in our spirits. Are you living in the moment enough to where you can be love? I don't know how many, if, I've, if you guys are like me, I don't know how many times I've turned up opportunities to have beautiful conversations with cashiers, with my pizza guy, with my mail lady, because I'm in a hurry. And they come and they'll ask me a question, hey, how are you? And they're there in the moment, and I'm like, good, thanks, bye, and see, you know what I mean? And I cut off the love in that moment, that love opportunity, because I was moving faster than three miles an hour. We've got to stop and be in the moment. Amen? Jesus does this. Jesus takes Sabbath. He broke the Sabbath. But then he says, find Sabbath in me. And here's what Jesus did. Here's what he showed us to do. When things get hard, he retreats and then returns. He retreats to pray and has these beautiful moments with God the Father in the garden or wherever he's at, and he returns and he's like, okay, I'm ready. Let's keep going. Retreat, return. Retreat, return. This is rest in God. Retreat to your prayer closet. Retreat to the places where you find Jesus. For many people, it's surfing. Go surf and spend time with God and then return to reality. Return to real life with that rejuvenation in your heart because that's what rest does. It rejuvenates us. So we have to sit in rest if we're going to be, we're going to sit in rest if we're going to be grateful people. Prayer isn't frazzled, you know what I mean? Like if you're having anxious prayers towards God, it's God, I need this, God, I need that, God, I need this. Prayer, a pastor says it like this, I love it. He says, prayer is really, when we're resting in God, prayer is just relaxing into his goodness. Isn't that good? Prayer is relaxing into God's goodness. It's like, I imagine like John, the disciple, leaning into Jesus at the, the Last Supper, just like because they cuddled at the table. I don't know if you knew that, but they like leaned into each other and rested on each other when they ate on the floor around the table. So when John is like resting in Jesus, he's literally like putting his head on his shoulder, right? It's like you can fully just lean into him and just trust his goodness, this is what rest is. And when we trust that, we build that trust with God. We walk out there more energized. So back to Philippians 4. Check this out. Always be full of joy in the Lord, it says again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and thanksgiving, Present your request to God, then you will experience God's peace. Wait, if we have a thankful heart, then we experience God's peace. This is what the scripture says. Once you petition to God with thanksgiving in your heart, then you're going to experience that shalom, that fullness. This is what rest does. It brings you peace. I can rest, I can relax into his goodness. I can just be there with him and be like, God, thank you for being here. Thank you for being present with me. It's amazing. So I want to ask you this question is, does your life temple right now foster gratitude? Does the pace that you're living at foster a grateful spirit 
Or is it constantly looking for more? Is that why you're busy? Is that why you're trying new things all the time? Is that why you're always searching here and searching there? Is it why you find things to occupy your time rather than sitting and resting with God? It's because the tempo of your life might be bringing so much anxiety. You forgot how to be slow, move with Christ, and be in the moment with Him. Amen? So how is your life tempo? Check it in yourself. Am I moving too fast? And even in isolation, (laughs) you know what I mean? Even in isolation, are we moving in a place like... We have no friends around us. Many of us were stuck at home. You can still be too busy at home. This is my wife. <laughs> she is too busy even when she can't do anything. She finds something to do. And I admire that in her, but I'm like, babe, you just need to relax. Just sit down. Be here. Be present. There's always something to do. Get rid of that spirit because that's going to foster anxiety in your life. Here's what, here's what C.S. Lewis says too. How you respond to an interruption is who you really are. When life interrupts your busyness, how do you react? When you have something that comes into your life, COVID is the biggest example of this. When COVID came into your life and ruined your work life, it ruined your flow, your social agendas, when it ruined, you're going in and going out every single day, how did you react? Because according to C.S. Lewis, the way we respond to an interruption is who you really are. It shows the condition of your heart. This is what we're trying to grab for. This is why we're trying to reclaim our gratitude because <laughs> our, our hearts have been pulled out of it. And I want that back. I want to be interrupted. Remember when Jesus was preaching? He had like the greatest sermon ever and someone got lowered through a roof? Like talk about distraction. You know what I mean? Like interruption. He's, he's like, all right, come on. I'm going to wait. Like that awkward silence. It's like eh, 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 as they lower him. That's an interruption. And Jesus sat there and he's like, okay, sermon's on pause what's going on here? And he forgave sins and he healed a man. He said, get up, take your mat, walk. And he used that moment to love in a way that people had never experienced. So can you use interruptions to be in the present and love people the way they weren't expecting, the way that they haven't experienced? That's our, that's our question. So interruptions are love opportunities. Put it that way. Interruptions are love opportunities. So take it like that. If you're like, oh, cursed this and cursed this, oh, these interruptions, my life, ah, Get me back to normal. You are going to be so plagued with anxiety. God's going to have no place to get grateful, a grateful spirit back into your heart. Make sure you be able to, okay, I received this interruption. I'm going to work around it. God, make my heart still. Amen? I need to, that's for me, mostly. <laughs> Preaching to myself here. So, the next one is this. Gratitude renews us and anxiety ruins us. Gratitude renews us, and anxiety ruins us. This is so important. A spirit of gratitude is more than just, hey, go out and be happy. You know what I mean? And this is what we do. We put on happy face for Thanksgiving. We're like, hey, I'm grateful. Life is great. And I'm saying things, but my spirit is different. (laughs) Anxiety can ruin your spirit. It is something that the enemy will use to take you away from the goodness of God. We have to be against it. We have to be against our own anxiety in our life and not be victim to it. We're like, oh, I'm anxious. Oh, no. It's like, no, I'm fighting back. Amen? And so I want to tell you a story. This happened yesterday. And I thought, I mean, it's like total God moment. So yesterday was my grandma's service. If you didn't know, Pastor Rick's on the mainland. His mom just passed away. And this woman has an incredible story, lifelong missions. She's in the hymnal, you guys. She wrote a hymn, like in the hymnal. She's like royalty in, you know what I mean? Like she'll go up and have a castle in heaven kind. She's ridiculous. She's amazing. And I've heard stories, but I've never heard her heart. 
what happened is yesterday, two of my aunties, after the, the memorial service, sent me and said, hey, years ago, we sat down with her, and we really pushed her, and we're like, tell us about your life. And she was kind of closed off, so she didn't share a lot all the time. And she, for the, yesterday, I just sat and read it. It was like the first time I actually got to connect with my grandma's spirit. She shared about anxieties in her life. She shared about the anxiety of leaving home and being on missions. She shared about um, when she lost my, Pastor Rick had a sister that he lost right before his wedding. So she talked about losing her daughter and how much stress, how much just, how it ruined her reality, the anxiety that came out of that. And, and taking care of the family after that, and all of these things. And I got to feel, and I was just like, I took on this anxiety in that moment. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, crying. I was like, Lord, like what an amazing, what, what an amazing story you've put in this woman. And I was taking on this, this, this weight, you know what I mean, as I was reading it. And Esther, my oldest, comes out of nowhere. Dad, I want to read you a book. So I brought the book. <laughs> and she loves reading. And I've never heard, had her read this book before. It's a random selection. So she reads this. It's called, I Know God is Near. Okay, so hear me out on this. I'm going to read it to you. You guys ever been read a children's book at church? All right, first time. So they're camping. There's a family out camping. It says, stars shine bright on a summer night. I know that God is near. Crickets chirp. It's time to sleep. The sparrows disappear. Gets so good. You guys just wait to the ending. The trees are dark. The creatures sleep. There's nothing here to fear. Mosquitoes buzz. A half moon glows in a sky that is clear. The tent is up. The cocoa's hot. I'm glad my family's here. We sing a song and say a prayer. I know that God is near. And I don't know why. In that moment, she, she read me this book. I just start crying. <laughs> I needed to know in my spirit that God was there with me. Amen? When I was experiencing something heavy. And I don't know if they've ever been like this, but the presence of God is where gratitude is going to come from. We can talk about it in theory and be like, a grateful spirit is someone who does this and this and this. If you're not in the presence of God, you won't find gratitude. You won't have a renewed spirit. And this is what gratitude does. It renews us. God comes in with a grateful spirit, with thanksgiving in our hearts. And he's like, there's time for something new. It's a new era for you. There's a new spirit I want to deposit into you. And so God renews us, even from the mouth of babes, <laughs> even from kids' books. I was like, wow, this book spoke to me. But anyway, I needed to be reminded that God is near. And let me just say this to you. If you are feeling anxious in this season, you are not alone. God has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He is here, right here with you. Let me promise you that. And if you need that reminder, I'll loan you this book. I will. He'll remind you, God is near. So back to Philippians. Gratitude renews us. Anxiety ruins us. Philippians says this. If we jump down to verse 6, do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds our understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. I need the peace of God to block thoughts in my mind and to guard my heart from feeling certain things that I know aren't of Him. Amen? This is renewal of your spirit through gratitude. In your thanksgiving to God, He brings a spirit of thanksgiving back into your heart. So we have to realize this, that God will amplify what you give to Him. He'll give back tenfold. 
God, I give you thanks. He's like, here, have a spirit of thanksgiving. God, I give you my worship, and God sings songs of worship over you, and he covers you with his grace. This is beautiful. So this is where renewal comes from. And it goes on to this. You guys know this is one of my favorite verses growing up. It was like the only one I could memorize. I don't know why. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, do what? Put it into practice. You see in me take my time with people and love people and heal people and not be so hurried and rushed? Do that. Put it into practice. You've seen me be so caring over people's needs that I don't overlook them, that I show empathy. Put that into practice, right? Everything. You see me remembering my Father and giving, giving, grace, giving sorry, praise to my Father in all things. Put that into practice as well. And then what? The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you when you do what? When you put these things into practice. When your mind is so set on the things that are good and right and true and pure in this world. And so this is the renewal that needs to happen. As Paul says, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We shift our minds to the things that are right and pure and ad- uh, sorry, admirable and praiseworthy. And when we focus on the things of heaven, our heart changes to have the desires of heaven. And God wants that in us this Thanksgiving season. To be so grateful, to have a heaven mindset over your life. Your, your mind is so occupied with the things of God, it's not distracted by what anxiety is trying to distract you with. Amen? This is what God is going for. So number last one is this. Gratitude energizes and anxiety cripples. If you don't address your anxiety, whether it's clinical and you need professional help, or whether it's a spiritual weight that you're carrying, that you're trying to please man, or you're trying to be in this world among the chaos, and you're trying to do it on your own, and it's causing you anxiety. It's going to cripple you. You'll lose your footing. Christ is the cornerstone. We only build on him. So as the worship team comes up, here's what I want to do. I want to recognize one thing that's really important first, actually, is this. Is that so much of this, letting go of our own anxiety and walking into gratitude, is yielding power to God. Give power back to God. Know what I love about this? Matthew 14, you guys know the story. When Jesus is in the boat, Jesus is in the boat and the storm comes and he's sleeping. And the disciples are like, Jesus, wake up. Where are you? The world is crumbling around us. Know what Jesus says? He says this, do not fear. Do not fear is the most repeated commandment from Genesis to Revelation. Do not fear. But he says this, do not fear. Why? He says this, it is I. (laughs) He's not saying don't fear because the storm's I got the storm, I'm more powerful. He's saying, don't fear because I am here. My presence is here. It is I. Have you forgotten who I am? And I I feel like so many of us in this place, in this season, have maybe lost track of how actually good and gracious God is. And you may have lost track of how powerful God is in your life. And so I want to just ask you to do one of two things. If you have a pen, take it out. If you have a phone, bring that out too. I want you to finish these lines just as a prayer, as the worship team plays. I want you to write this down. Remember, rest, renew. Repeat that. Remember, rest, renew. God, I remember when you remember something. In this moment, right now, what comes to your heart about the goodness of God in your life? 
Do you believe the goodness of God is past? Is that, was that back then? Or do you actually believe that the goodness of God was the same yesterday, today, and forever? That what he did yesterday, he'll do again today, and he's planning to do it again tomorrow. Remember that. Remember something good about God. His, his, give him thanks in that way. Number two is this, God, I will rest in you by so many of us are so hurried. We are so busied. We are breeding anxiety like unwanted mice in our life. And what we need to do is stop and rest and have Sabbath in him and be still before him. God, I need to rest in you by giving up my worries. What does that look like in your life? Maybe you're going to rest in God by giving him more time. Maybe you're going to rest in God by giving him your worries before you gossip about it to someone else. Maybe you're going to rest in him by simply loving your spouse, loving your kids, and finding Sabbath in your family. Whatever it is, how can you find rest in God? Make a promise to God. God, I want to find rest in this. I want to find rest in you. And the last one is this, God, renew my heart. My heart has been changed my heart has been defective during this season. My heart has been corrupted through my anxiety. I have been living in fear of man and fear of this world, and I've been carrying weights that I know should be yours. God, renew my heart to see things the way you see them. Renew my heart to be as grateful as you were, that even before your death on the cross, you broke bread and smiled and hung out with your friends. I want that kind of gratitude, that when the world crumbles around me, I have everything I need in my good shepherd. God, renew my heart to be in that place. So take a moment, write down one, maybe two or three things if it comes, and we're going to worship one more time together. Jesus, we just pray right now for every single family in this room as we celebrate Thanksgiving as we get to a place of gratitude, deep gratitude, spiritual gratitude for who you are, the goodness in your life, and all that you've poured out for us. I pray, Lord, that right now that you would cast anxiety aside, that you have done away with that on the cross, that we don't have to live in worry, we don't live in fear anymore because of your grace. And so, God, I just declare that over families in this room right now, Lord, that we would be able to sit at a table on Thursday and give full-fledged thanksgiving praise to you as we enter your courts, God, that there'd be nothing but gratitude and thankfulness for who you are, not distracted by what's going on in the world, not pulled away in our hearts to other things, but fully dedicated to you and your glory. So God, we just pray that over every family here. God, may you bless each one of us. May you watch over us. May there continue to be safety in every household here. God, keep us healthy, keep us safe, and most of all, keep us grateful in our spirit. We love you, Jesus. We pray all of these things in your name.